2: Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me as always. And Travis, we've got ourselves a guest today. I am so stoked. This is kind of out of the blue, but we managed to get a guest from our past to join us today to talk about a band called Ethan Durrell, some good old boys from Waco, Texas. And we've got Joel Fruth with us today, who was the sound guy at the door, among other things, back in the early 2000s, and he helped record my band from high school's, our two little albums that we released way back in the day. Joel, you were all over that stuff back then. How are you, sir?
3: Yeah, man, that was, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. That was a really, really fun time back at the old door building and recording bands, street level, and just live to tape and stuff. It was fun.
2: Oh, yeah, that was a blast. Um, So I want to ask you some questions here about the, about, so when I think of Deep Elm, that area in Dallas in the early 2000s, that, to me, is the glory days of Deep Ellum, but that's because I was the perfect age for going down to music venues. You were part of The Door. That was an all-ages venue, so that, to me, was like the place to be. How how long were you a part of the music scene in Deep Ellum? Because I know it stretches back to the 80s, at least, right?
3: Yeah, so the owner of The Door, Russell Hobbs, he created the first real sort of um, artistic venues in that part of town called Deep Ellum. Um, He had the Theater Gallery in 84. And then in 85, Caddy Corner to Theater Gallery, he opened the Profit Bar, the original Profit Bar. And those ran, the Theater Gallery ran into like 1991 or so? And Profit Bar closed in 92, I believe. Um, Yeah, and then the door opened May 98, 1998. And that's when I started working for the door. And I did that. All the way up until early 2013, about May 2013, so about 15 years straight.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, we saw a ton of shows at the door.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't invited to be in your your little band back then, Q. So I, don't, <laughs> I never got to meet this fella. But um yeah, I mean, I just remember you know because I I went to a ton of y'all's shows and stuff. I'm trying to think of bands that I saw like separately from from your band, Q, at the door. I mean, I must have seen. I must have seen some, I just can't think of any, but yeah, I mean, just that era for, for us. Cause here, you, you know, we were the perfect age for, for that kind of stuff. And like you said, it was an all age venue. So it was, it was even more perfect, but yeah, I mean, that's just like when you, like everybody remembers their first, you know, time they went to a venue downtown, you know, and saw a rock band and there's just so many great memories tied up in all of those moments. So yeah, Joel, you we were, you were definitely, part of that that fabric of deep Ellum for us you know
3: right on right on yeah i think you guys had like a really cool um your your age at that time the music that you were coming up with that was happening at the door all of that music was new to everybody and it was new to you and it was like this really organic thing you know it's like we had dashboard confessional open up for newfound glory on a thursday night and there were 60 <laughs> wow. people oh man and then like to a year or two late. that was 2001, a year or two later, I mean, we couldn't get either band. Like, we had, last time we had Dashboard was in 03, and it was sold out months in advance before they were on spider Man soundtrack, you know? <laughs> yeah. Taking Back Sunday, New Found Glory, Get Up Kids, so many, you know, Further Seems Forever was, you know, kind of the precursor to all that, and a bunch of tooth and nail bands that blew up
0: so um
3: under oath you know oh yeah they were anybody let me ask you this
0: um so that's like okay so we've we've sort of dipped our toes in the history of of emo on this podcast uh we did an episode on on jimmy world's clarity and you know we sort of dug into like all these waves right there's first wave emo second wave emo third wave emo i think is happening right now or i might be wrong there might be a fourth wave but i'm pretty sure jimmy world was second wave and then they ushered in all of the popularity of like dashboard and all all those bands that you just talked about and it kind of started with with jimmy and some of those like midwest midwestern emo bands and stuff like that Were, were you into like the earlier emo scenes like the the first wave emo like in the in the 80s
3: um no I grew up super Flanders Christian kid, so I only <laughs> listened to <laughs> this, It's not no joke. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music until I was about uh, starting college. I started venturing out listening to other music. You know, there was always what was on the radio and, you know, like stuff that's shoved in your face that you can't not hear. Yeah. But like going out and finding bands that I liked and exploring things that weren't centered around jesus which is there's you know there's tons of good christian music and christian bands and stuff but back then it was all you know it happens today too christian bands copycat the world a lot oh yeah
2: so speaking um, of christian bands joel we just happen to be covering christian music uh the last few weeks actually uh we we we've we've done Emery, uh me without you Well, that's the thing, like that, and that's what we kept asking ourselves. It's like, are these really Christian
0: bands because they're on a Christian label? Because they weren't really singing about, yeah, they weren't they weren't singing worship music or anything. I mean, this was like like Quinn was saying, it's Emery May was technically is sometimes classified as a Christian band. I know Me Without You like explicitly sings about spiritual stuff and things like that, but like if you didn't know that, you 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 probably wouldn't think that these were Christian bands, right? Uh, So kind of interesting.
3: Totally, and. And I grew up so when I was coming up in you know junior high and high school, there was this underground Christian scene that I was totally into that didn't sound like anybody else. Maybe there was some influence, but I can name you those bands. But first wave emo, I all I know is Catherine Wheel, and I I couldn't tell you a song by them. You know I've never listened to them. So I was sort of I guess on the end of the first wave, second wave emo, which was like, well we had some local bands Lewis and some others that were just dynamite just blow your face off you would you just didn't know what you were listening to It was so cool and then there was like get up kids and there's you know even early death cab is kind of ish
2: yeah that's something we've been learning too yeah. we've had that conversation
0: over and over again because a lot of times we have to remind ourselves that we actually listen to a lot of emo because i i for the longest time equated emo music with screaming like the screamo screamo
3: yeah like side of emo yeah so,
0: like, I always thought, well, Jimmy World doesn't really do that. I mean, if you go back far enough, they kind of do on some of their early stuff. But, like, I never would have pegged Jimmy World as an emo band back when I was listening to them. But they were, like, some of the earliest.
3: Sunny Day Real Estate is kind of mm. like my, that's what I categorize, and, like, the promise ring. Yes, Catalan.
0: exactly, the promise ring. We actually yeah. we played some promise ring on our Jimmy
2: World episode, actually. So how many bands did you end up recording at the studio at the door, Joel?
3: That's a good question. I think, you know, there were so many terrible ones. No (laughs) offense to anybody. Um, It was just a low budget. I did it for fun, basically. Um, I probably had anywhere from 30 to 40 artists over those few short years come in and do stuff. I had uh, a couple bands repeat. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, The Texas Gentleman. No. One of their early outfits was led by Philip Creamer and his band called Any Day. It was like a worship band. We made some killer sounding stuff there because the musicians were just top notch. I mean, like recording level guys that are on tour all the time now. Um, but then there was like the band that would walk in with like, you know, a crate amp combo and you couldn't hear anything but high end coming out of it. And, you know, you had to coach them through everything. So you had
2: to try to polish turds. <laughs>
3: exactly. I was like, you know, I, the the cool thing, the challenge for me was like trying to get them to do their best and not use auto-tune and not edit the crap out of everything. And like really had the experience of actually recording, you know, laying it down with a good take instead of chopping it up and, you know faking it but then some kid with a laptop in fort worth is in his basement you know <laughs> auto tuning and chum- <laughs> and he was like making these killer records you know for half the price so i was like all right i'm out
0: <laughs> man we could have a whole nother episode devoted to that kind of conversation so jill one
2: thing i will always remember um after you did some of our recordings for us you know anytime we'd come back and play the door you would be the sound guy and i remember our, some of our last shows, you would tweak the audio like on my snare drum or something for a certain song so that it would sound like how we did it on the recording, which I always thought was cool. It made me feel like a rock star, dude. and made right me off. feel like I had a my per, uh, personal audio engineer behind the the board for us. That's cool. Yeah. It was awesome, man. Yeah that's, yeah
0: that's fun that's that's, that's kind of interesting to think about right there because like how many bands get to have the producer of their record be the sound guy at the venue that they're playing at that probably doesn't happen right. almost ever yeah right it, yeah
3: it's very rare <laughs> yeah
0: that's interesting
3: <laughs> it, it's all you know i was at the door you know i started as a sound guy and move i was basically general manager head production head janitor you know whatever <laughs> um did everything basically wore a thousand hats me and was basically a two-man operation me and russell you know and i was there for 15 years and i did sound almost like 12 years of those and i think maybe three or four times in that you know thousands and thousands of shows that someone that was involved with the record was actually mixing the live show it's extremely rare very rare. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, that's that's it, awesome. It was a blast, man. Did you actually live upstairs, Joel? I for, for whatever reason mm-hmm. I always thought that you lived up there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when Russell opened the door, we just had the old room. There was no balcony, and he lived upstairs in like a you know, just two bare rooms. I'm talking like you know, it looked like cinder block walls and plywood. I mean, it was nothing. And like one light bulb. Russell lived yeah. up there to to make it work. And he showered at my brother's apartment, like on the other side of town. Wow. And I was living at home commuting in. And my friend Justin was actually working with Russell and living in the downstairs
0: room. <laughs> this is so Man. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't
3: pay rent or have a house until 2015. I never paid rent in my life. Oh, man. I moved from my parents' house down to the door. It was part of my... <laughs> Compensation package (laughs) that I did. I had no rent, but I had to go shower at my brother's house or at 24-hour fitness. You know, (laughs) man, funny. Then when we moved to the new building, we had a shower in the green room, so I, I lived there. That was way, way cooler spot. But that's for another conversation, I suppose. But yeah, I lived up there. See,
2: like to me, as like the 15, 16 year old kid that I was. That to me was like the coolest thing ever. You know what I mean? It was
3: perks on perks, like, man. It was cool.
2: Joel's the sound guy. He lives. He lives above the venue. How fucking cool is that? Uh, all right. So we are covering Ethan Durrell's 2003 album "White Knuckles on Turned Wheels." Uh, kind of hard to describe these guys. They're kind of all over the place. Prague rock, maybe some some grungy vibes at times
0: yeah i was i was actually keeping track of all of it when i was so i listened to the whole album all the way through today for the first time in a long time and man they like they bounce around from like style to style like usually within the same track you know what i mean it's just so they 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 do such a good job i mean you really like quentin like you're saying you, you really can't put one genre on these guys you know but if i guess if you had to like what would you what would you call these guys
3: Gosh, I don't know. I I just kind of called the, all that stuff back then indie rock. Which oh is yeah, the label you throw on it because you didn't know what to, what to like how to peg it. You know, but some would say that's emo, like they were emo. Yeah. So, I think they fall under that category for the most part. Yeah.
2: How did you stumble uh, across Ethan Drell, Jill?
3: Oh Lord, I don't know. I you know bands would just email us and be like, okay, you're booked. Like Russell. Yeah. Would, his emails would be okay you're on and he would always misspell your you know why <laughs> and uh in fact do you know forever the sickest kids
2: oh they, that sounds familiar uh,
3: they're a big band from dallas and they started out as two different bands that played the door all the time fort worth bands and one of them was good day joseph they wrote a song called okay you're on <laughs> it <was an> awesome <laughs> song just you know totally making fun of Russell but also you know <laughs> praising him at the same time it was it was a good song but yeah i was thinking about Ethan Durrell today and was listening to it also uh as i was driving back uh to dallas and i'm still kind of unfamiliar with the deeper cuts on that record because they're like so different like the later songs in there but i the, i was also waiting i was i was pondering this moment in this podcast when you would ask me like like what do they sound like and i kind of figured it out so i'm gonna throw it on you radiohead and death cab for cutie had a baby but death cab divorced radiohead and married incubus (laughs) (laughs) and so like it was around 10 years old so like Ten-year-old Ethan Durrell had all this Radiohead and Death Cab, <laughs> and then Incubus came in, and then they started having all these yes. groovy, like, Dude, okay. like groovy times in their music.
0: <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you this because it's funny that you said Incubus because I remember thinking Incubus on one particular track, on one particular part in the track, and it was seventy-seven steps. In that part, mm-hmm. where it gets kind of almost like a reggae kind of vibe. yeah,
2: it gets a little reggae, yeah dude, and yeah. I was like
0: incubus kind of sounded like that
3: they shuffle the time code the time signature, sorry not time code, they shuffle the time signature a couple times in songs,
0: yeah, and that made me think that they were kind of math rocky almost,
3: yeah jeff Jeff weathers is the drummer, and if you listen to this to to this particular record and the live shows that I have a few live recordings of them um. He's just, he's, he's, okay, he's not the best drummer in the world, right? He's good and he's, he fits the band, he's creative, but he is way backbeat. So you always feel like the drums are lagging, you know? I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but when you listen to this record next time, you'd be like, okay, come on, Jeff. (laughs) So so that also, but that backbeat also adds that vibe where I'm thinking, man, this is like, it's, it's so emo but so groovy at the same time
2: very yeah yeah, very groovy so let's play a song let's 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 get some tunes going uh so joel we were kind of on the fence with what to play today because we don't want to play we don't want this episode to be too long uh but there's so many songs that we we could play um do you have one in particular that you just would love to share on the on this episode
3: On this record, I think, you know, Accidental Killers, I see you hovering over it. That's (laughs) sort of like their, what would you call it, their uh, typical song? What's the word? I mean, it's like
0: like they're radio-friendly. So here's the thing. like That's the one that, that we had planned on playing, and then as we kept listening to the record, we were like, well, we should also play this one, and this one, and that one. Yeah. But Accidental Killers, yeah. That is a great yeah,
3: one. Yeah, off or Accidental Killers. That's the, uh, the quintessential. There it it's is. It's got your name.
0: There right? you go. It's the, the Quintin- quintessential Central.
3: Ethan Durrell song.
0: Yeah. No, you're right about that. And then, Q, we might have to play some Marionette as well. Yeah. Just yeah. because. Yeah. But yeah, um, sweet, dude. I'm glad but, that you picked Accidental Killers because that's that's one that we had definitely wanted to, to share. So. Yeah. Here so I,
2: yeah, I didn't make a clip for it yet, so we're just going to play a little bit of it. All right, so here is track three from Ethan Durrell's 2003 record White Knuckles on Turned Wheels. This song is called Accidental Killers. Oh. Yeah, man. The first time I heard that song, it just blew me away. And Joel, I can tell you exactly where I heard it and when. It was uh, late night, like probably past midnight. We had been we had spent the whole day recording at the door, and all four of us and you (laughs) piled into. I think you had like a little tiny sedan at the time, and we drove to either Wendy's or Whataburger, whatever was open, and just got some late night munchies. And you put this song on in your car and just press play and you're, you're gushing over these guys. Maybe it was, God, it could have been 2004, maybe 2005. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it just blew me away. It was, it was something that I hadn't really, like, I wasn't into that kind of music at the time. So this they were kind of like a stepping stone for me, I feel like.
3: Yeah, very different from Jonas Brothers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just well, no, dude, we, we were so heavy into into the strokes back then, man. That was our That's true. That was our band. Right
3: on, right on. That's a good one to be into.
0: Interpol and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Um
3: Early modest mouse. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I guess that's the, the post punk stuff, right? But yeah, cute I mean, that's the thing, it's like IQ, I don't know when you showed me the band, but, I mean, I was introduced to it probably around the same time. You probably showed them to me. And, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, this is fucking really good, man. And it's really different. And it's just so – the way that they and, – and I think Marionette showcases it the best of how they change even, like you said, the, the tempos – And like how they change almost seamlessly from like style to style and stuff like that. It's
2: very complex.
0: Yeah, Yeah, these guys guys are are really good. Man, (laughs) we almost said the same thing.
3: What gets me is like you know, my I grew up. My brother was a drummer, so I really relate to drum lines and bass lines and stuff. And if you listen, that's a really hard beat to play. Yeah, and he pulled it off live, and they they always played it perfect live.
2: Oh, and like 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 you were saying, Joel, like that beat does sound like it's kind of dragging on. Yeah. The whole time. Like it's, it's there. If you
3: listen listen closely, he's always just a split second behind. There's a couple songs where that, I don't know if they edited it or what. I don't think they did, but he's, he's spot on on some of the really more difficult drum parts, but some of the stuff where he's just into the song, he's just a little bit backbeat. And I think it adds more charm to the record, especially with the sounds, the way they recorded, like, the drum tracks are all the same. So they laid down all the drum tracks with basically the same miking, same room mics, you know, same compression all that. Except for 77 steps and some other songs later in the record where they dried it up a little. I, I just like that. I like it when when records are sort of raw and they choose a sound and they stick with it through the whole record. And oh, we're with you on that. There's no
2: exception. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely with you on that.
0: Yeah, no, I I thought the same thing and like I was going to I was going to bring this up to bought this is kind of a behind the curtain here but we, we almost we, we thought about or you you tried to get the lead singer on the show for us and i was going to ask him like i was going to say hey you know this this record sounds like raw you know what i mean and and not not um that's not a negative thing like it's a it's what makes it so great you know what i mean is that like you said that the way that you choose to record the record like it just brings off that 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 energy and like the rawness and like the what's the, what's the word? Maybe some of the the aggression in some of the moments, like, because, you know, the guy, he screams very much like any other emo singer would. And he does it in these moments where they just kind of come out of nowhere, very exasperated and stuff like that. It's just, it's fucking great, man.
3: I can tell you right now, Evan Lecker, he's the lead singer. He, there's no auto tune. That dude just sings perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, he doesn't, he doesn't go flat or sharp hardly even live. Like he's perfect. I just thought that was so impressed with the band that that they could uh they they pulled it off and then their live shows I don't know if we're going to get into live shows on here but their live shows were just so so great because they nailed it and they were so into it. That's yeah. what
2: that's the the few like reviews and interviews that I've read with these about these guys that I can find online. That's what everyone says is like this is one of the best bands to see live. I got to catch them in Dallas probably around this time Joel uh did they ever play at the door
3: yeah they played at the door uh 10 or 15 times over over like a three or four year period that must yeah. have
2: been where I saw them then so you probably remember this too Joel they used to do a cover of uh shout by tears for fears and just blew it away oh I will, man is there yeah. uh,
0: some we got to get our hands on a recording of that
3: yeah, I have two awesome live recordings. Oh, so we multi oh, them live and then mixed it down and we have we have one that my Padawan Garth, he was one of my sound guys, <laughs> that he learned from me but he kind of like surpassed me. He did one from 05 and I have one from 04 when they opened up for Stavesacre. They're just they're so they're so great. You know, like I don't I mean there's not really much uh, many words I can use for a band that Yeah. Just yeah. It's some kids that went to Baylor.
2: Yeah. And of all places, Waco, Texas, you know?
3: Yeah. So they're, uh, the guys are all from Houston, I think. Uh, All of them. Yeah. Everybody's from Houston, but they all went to Baylor and that's how they, that's how they formed. That's how they were able to even play the door. I mean, they probably wouldn't have drove up from Houston, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So Trav, what do you think you want to just do those three clips of Marionette and then call it a day?
0: yeah yeah
2: okay all right yeah so joel we're gonna do now i i split marionette up into three different parts and we're gonna play play three different clips for marionette just to kind of show how all these different parts that they have in these songs all right so here is clip number one from track seven called marionette
1: Response time slow down. Once a week your colors change. Once in your life does shine. The and are you not blind? Pin this right into my sleeve. Paint it on my forehead. Make my eyes sting from it And starve this poet to death taken too long Look back, he's holding up the line One more time Let's take it from the top And hang it on our wall Just like religion Say goodnight It comes to-
0: It's unreal, man. I know, man. But yeah, um Yeah,
3: it's cool stuff.
0: It's yeah. It's it's fucking amazing. So yeah, like this is when I thought, like, oh, there's some I recognize that sound. It sounds like like Midwestern Nemo stuff. Yeah. And then like it that punk that that drum beat there towards the end is total like punk rockish kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's just fucking great, man. I love yeah. their
3: guitar lines, the dueling guitar lines. Like I the oh, everything yeah. they do is just really cool and original to me.
0: It's just fucking top-notch, man.
2: All right, let's keep this train rolling. Here's clip two from Marionette.
1: Intuition is underrated. Your intentions are television. vision.
2: These sound like jam sessions, you know, like just ideas that they had.
3: Yeah,
0: so Sophis-
2: good,
3: sophisticated garage.
2: Yes, I was going
0: to throw in um, that transition where it's kind of more like melodic and stuff. Sounds kind of like American football. Did you guys ever get into them?
3: Oh yeah, Cantonella
2: Brothers. Yeah.
0: I'm just trying to trying to drop as many email references as I can here. I'm impressed, Travis. I'm impressed to, to up my cred here. But yeah, that <laughs> I mean that's what I'm. That's that's what I heard. that's that's where the math rock part of it comes in. To me, that's like, hey, that sounds like math rock to me. Yeah.
2: And that's another yeah.
0: one of those those genres that kinda gets thrown around a lot. Um. Yeah. But that's at least what I think of. Um Yeah, with the dual with, like, guitar
2: the kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and like the drums and stuff and totally. all that good stuff. Yeah, I did.
3: I used to describe them as math math emo type. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and like I said, like this is the first band of that in that style that I really got into. And it's definitely shaped the kind of music that i listen to now and over the last you know 10 years 15 years
0: that's cool this was well before we got into foals right
2: yeah i didn't get into foals until at least 2008 when they dropped antidotes yeah yeah that's right so
0: this is well before that
2: yeah all right let's do one more clip this is uh gonna finish up uh this is the, the very end of marionette
1: Is all that I can take, and all I ever need was a hand to lay these bricks around my house. Never placing them the same way. We're fugitives to love before our time. Comes running. I pray to God you stay.
2: Dang! <laughs> I mean, that's like that's three songs in one right there. You know, three distinct movements. So
0: there, there's, I think that's the Radiohead that you're talking about, right? That I mean, yeah, that sounded, I was just
3: about to say, okay, computer. Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: that that's the closest he gets to, to to Yorkian vibes.
3: Multiple songs within a song is yeah, yeah, yeah. My reference to Radiohead there, and the, some of their weird sounds they get on the other songs where they're just you know making weird. Oh pedal yeah, sounds
0: like. What is it called? Chord? That's the, the on Chord? Yeah. yeah. That's got a, such a sweet intro, man.
3: Is Disruption yeah, wh- Sharks on this record?
2: No. So I actually haven't listened to their other full length. This is all I know of Ethan Durrell.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's a live song. It's on the live record only. There's a couple of their songs they only did live that I never had on a uh, actual album.
2: Well, if I can find an actual video on it, on it. Cause there is some stuff of them live on YouTube. We can throw it up and, and put it on our show notes on our website. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's all. I mean, we could just, we could keep playing music from this album, but I think Marionette is kind of a good example of, of just how varied it gets Definitely. from song to song. And even yeah. within one song, <laughs> I actually wanted to ask, ask you something about that, Joel. So like you're, you're, you're a
0: uh, you're a producer, music producer.
3: Was yes, but yes, you were a music <laughs> producer.
0: So like that, a, a song like that isn't gonna isn't gonna make it necessarily on a on a major record label, right?
3: Or radio, <laughs>
0: yeah, well, or radio. Yeah.
3: This band's not you know major label release material, you know. So on a, it, it lives on the indie record, but you know, I would that song even be on an album that they're trying to push? You know, no, obviously not. It's, it's too, it's too all over the place, but when you listen to it all together, I I think it works itself
4: out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mean, that's what we love about it. So like, if you're, it's just, I always think about that. Cause you know, we've, we've talked about so many bands that started out on small labels, got picked up by a major label and then just had a completely overhaul, horrible experience with yeah. their major label. Yeah, and overall, their, their sound gets completely hijacked.
3: There's very few bands that continue on with their with their creative weapons intact. You know, like most yeah. of it gets polished up. You know, we got to take these rough edges off you so you can be palatable for. You know, the masses. Yeah, it happens often. Yeah. I made a reference earlier. I don't know if y'all quite caught it when I said early Modest Mouse instead of later Modest Mouse. Everyone loves. Right. Right. Everybody. But if you listen to early Modest Mouse, you're like, what the heck is going on right now?
0: Right. Because, I mean, everybody's entry into Modest Mouse was float on, right? I mean, it was for me, at least. Yeah. A lot of great music back then, man. We we were were in high school uh, at the right time as far as like... There's, there's all this great rock music, like you know, the, I feel like the two thousands was the last good decade for for rock. Yeah, what what say you, gentlemen? Oh, god! Oh, I
2: agree one hundred percent, dude.
3: That's that's a, that's a hard one to say because you you were young and formidable, you know, and I was comparing these bands to bands i already heard but there was a lot of original cool stuff Th- the thing about the door is we were getting all these bands on like polyvinyl and all these small little labels that no one knew and then all of a sudden kids would tell us oh you have such and such coming and we'd be like well yeah who are they you know like we didn't even <laughs> know anything about them and then there would be like a thousand kids there you know <laughs> i remember yeah. we had uh we we had uh say anything the first time and it it was Oh like a yeah, g- I
2: saw them at the door.
3: giant show but the next time we had them it was paramore say anything and me without you the same bill what the heck <laughs> you know mars mars volta's very first tour ever on halloween oh, night dude. uh it was oh, a Wednesday dude. 2001 um, oh, man. what's their name's opened up the oregon and uh the husband wife team um Mates of State and the anniversary and Mars Volta, Mars Volta's first tour ever, like on a Halloween night on a Wednesday. That that type of stuff happened at the door all the time. Yeah,
2: that's so awesome. Yeah,
3: we were getting inundated with creative bands that had nowhere to play because regular clubs wouldn't book them, and we were in with these booking agents. They're like, "Hey, let's just do this. We'll send you these bands and see what happens." And it, it was always just monster. Yeah,
0: I guess what I I wasn't me- Yeah, I didn't say that. It was it was the the last like it was the it was the greatest decade for rock i would just mean like th- rock post 20 you know at 2010 onward i i feel like there just hasn't been you have to search harder to find them you know what i mean i
3: actually i i totally agree they're with out you. there
0: they're definitely out there you just have to you have to find them yeah
3: I, I was thinking of that today and i was like ethan Durrell would no one would go see him today because they don't do they don't have any beats or sequences or or keyboards or any like you know weird shit it's just rock you know it's like yeah. Na- yeah. name me a new rock band that's coming out right now you're you're totally I mean, right you can't
2: even put tame impala in that category anymore no. you know not anymore Yeah, nope. there's always at least one keyboard <laughs> that's true
3: i i had this conversation with this band from chicago called the kickback they're really great and they would come play a show to like five people at the profit bar and melt faces And I've, I've seen them in new Orleans. I've seen them in another state and it'd be like 10, 20 people. And they would melt your face. It was so good. And they're like, yeah, we don't have any beats. You know, we don't have any samples. (laughs) We're a a rock band. It's like, there's no room for a rock band anymore. It's really
0: sad. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Hey, I'll tell you what though, man, I'm going to, I'm going to name drop these guys as often as I can. This band called narrowhead. They're out of Houston. Dude. It gives me so much hope. They're bringing back the the grunge sound in a, in a big bad way. Like grunge is kind of having a a resurgence. Uh, cool. You just have to kind of look for it. But it's almost like uh, shoegaze. The shoegaze sound, the dream pop shoegaze sound, is sort of almost morphing, like bringing in elements of grunge and stuff. So there, you just have to look for it. It's out there.
3: That whole doom, um, they call it doom. You know, doom, doom metal, metal. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm all over it's it. Kind of like. There's some that's real doomy, but there's some more like shoegaze like Cloakroom, you know, or's just or or True Widow, they're from Dallas, you know, just just huge sound and I think, you know, that's been the undercurrent for a long time. It it should it should rise to the top pretty soon, you know, like you're saying, I need to hear this Narrowhead, I think.
2: Oh,
0: you'll um, love him, man. Jill. Dude, let's listen to listen to the record called Satisfaction. It is unreal, dude. It is so good, man. will do. It's it's
2: Probably my my, one of my favorite records from the last decade for sure. Um. All right. Hey. So let's. You guys want to segue into our what you heard segment? Yes. Sounds good. So this is where we bring a song to the table. Just something that we heard in between recordings. Uh, Joel, how easy is it going to be for you to send me a song right now? We can let you go first.
3: Send you a song? Uh, Or
2: unless you it's on Spotify, I can just. It's
3: on Spotify.
2: Okay, cool. Um, what is the artist's name?
3: It's a band called Pine Grove, one word.
2: That sounds familiar. Pine Grove, okay. Is, this the, is it the new single?
3: No, that's the latest release, but uh, their they're quintessential song is that first one. It's called um, uh, New Friends. The very, uh, old yeah. Friends? Old Friends, excuse me. <laughs> new Friends. <laughs> old Friends.
2: The B-side the, the B is called New Friends. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's play it. So here's a song from a band called
0: Pine Groove. Yeah, anything else you want to you want to say about it to tee it up or you you want us to just play it?
3: Well, yeah. So like, you know, I'm pretty jaded on music and when I hear something I latch onto it. These guys have three or four records, Audio Tree, all kinds of stuff right now just because it's so genuine and raw. I hate using that word genuine. It's so heartfelt. I hate using heartfelt, but it's very genuine. (laughs) The guy is young. He's totally mental. He's like the youngest uh, Ryan. Is it Ryan Adams? Yeah, Ryan Adams. It's like Whiskey Town Ryan Adams. This is the new Whiskey Town Ryan Adams. Without the crazy, crazy, I'm going to fire my whole band. They do have a <laughs> they do have a rotating cast of characters that play, but it's the drummer and the guitar, the second guitar player are always in the band. But they they rotate, and it's just very wordy, like you know SAT words, and he makes them work. So that that very first song's good. Um, there's another one on there, but um, Old Friends is good.
2: Let's do it. Awesome. All I'm right. Stoked. Here is a song by Pinegrove. It is track one off their album Cardinal. The song is called Old Friends.
1: Walking outside, labyrinthian over Cracks along under the trees I know this town grounded in a compass Cardinal landing in the dogwood I keep going over it, over and over My steps iterate my shame How come every outcome such a down? Lately afternoon with the shades drawn down Kept saying I just wanted to see it saying what's wrong with that needle shaking outlines in a compass Every-
2: I fucking love it, man. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I really like it when it hit hit that groove, you know. That reminds me very much... I don't remember where... Joel, have you heard of a band called Marmalakes? Marmalakes. It sounds familiar, dude. Good, good pull. Yeah, yeah you're right. Very much. It th- does sound like Marmar Lakes. Yeah, and I, I want to say they're they're from Texas. I think they may have been from Denton or around that area. I might be off, but yeah. Well, they're uh, in Austin now. I know that. Okay, it's that kind of folky, almost like Vampire Weekend, but a little bit more folky.
0: Well, I mean, the funny thing I thought I thought, um, well, it was between Steely Dan and, and Vampire Weekend when you said that like they use like intellectual words, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always because what's his name what's his name Koenig or whatever the, the dude from vampire oh, weekend yeah yeah didn't they kind of write like oxford comma was that song on their right, baby record like
2: right most people don't know what the hell you're talking about kind of like uh james mercer kind of stuff right the guy from yeah the Shins? yeah all right chav I'm, I'm gonna go next here this is an artist named Thanya Iyer she is Honestly, I don't know much about her. I haven't listened to a lot of her stuff, but she's got an album coming out uh, at the end of this month. Travis, I'm going to play this song mostly for you because I know you're going to love it. This is something that she did with a couple other... I think they're just producers. They go by Day Rhythm, and this track is the only one of theirs that pops up. So it was a collaboration with with Thanya Iyer. Um, Are you going to tell me why? i'm gonna love it or do you want me to just kind of like tell you why I love it? oh you tell me why dude <laughs> okay so this is a song that came out in 2019 uh it is called honest echo
0: It's yeah um so i'm guessing quentin that you thought of me because they they sound a lot like or at least the lead singer sounds a lot like the um uh, the mr twin sister yes lead singer andrea stella
2: yeah i, I felt yeah. like this was like a good blend of like mr twin sister and like kings of convenience just with like the way that that guy saying yes yeah. i thought that too because yep. we're twin
3: brothers um you guys yeah, know way I... more bands than i do yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, okay, um, Joel, I don't know if you ever knew this, but Josh, as in Josh of Days of Dream, Quentin and myself had a, a music blog that we ran in like the 2010s, I mean, for about four or five years. And so all these bands from that era, we, we tried to cover and that's maybe where all of this obscure knowledge comes from. But yeah, that's gotcha. probably the first, yeah, that's a guarantee the first time we came across Mr. Twin Sister oh, back yeah. when they were called Twin Sister. Because they opened for, um, what was that band called, Q? They Mo- for uh, that? My
2: Morning, or not My Morning. <laughs> no, no. no. Mo- no uh,
0: Morning, Morning Benders. Morning Benders, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember them because Mr. Twin Sister blew them out of the water.
2: Uh, okay, so again, her name is Thanya Iyer. Uh, and that, again, was a collaboration. So her other stuff is a bit more eclectic, maybe not as like dancey or groovy. Uh, but she's got an album coming out on July 31st called Kind. And she's got a couple singles that she dropped from that. I'm pretty excited to hear more from her. All right, Trev, what you got for us? What you've been hurting? All right, man, we're gonna we're gonna
0: bring it on home here. So, Q, as you know, I've been stuck in in the '90s oh, for yeah. the last few weeks. Yeah, I dude. Just kind of bouncing around from like these more obs- like obscure, and I don't know how obscure they were. They may have had lots of attention, but these weren't '90s rock bands that that had the mainstream attention that. The bands that we listen to, because that's what we had exposure to, like the Pearl Jams, the Stone Temple Pilots, the Nirvanas, all that stuff. I really enjoy finding these, to me, it's like I'm stumbling upon them for the first time, but these more obscure bands like Hum, which, you know, they have a huge cult following. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they just put out a new record. I don't know if you knew that, Joel. No. But, uh, and then, so the band that I brought a few weeks ago, they were called, um, God damn it! what were they called? I now, brother <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, dude! Hold on, I got uh, to save the mic. You're gonna edit this together to to make it sound like I no. uh, just forget about these.
3: I got to mention one more band. I uh, you know it's rare for me to like a band, so if I can throw a name in there, just bonus material. Why Oak?
0: Oh, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, dude. Uh, I I just read their names on somewhere. I don't know how I I read that name, but like I feel like maybe they. Dude, where did I? I literally just read the name of that band today. I don't know if it was a, a on my Facebook feed or something, but they're
3: probably uh, getting on a TV show or a movie or something because they're they're phenomenal. Probably,
0: probably. Um, no, okay. The band I brought a few weeks ago was called Unwound, and I was blown away by them. So anyway, I stumbled upon this next group in like a similar to Unwound kind of uh, playlist or something like that. Anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a sentence from their Spotify bio because I think it describes them really well. This band is called June of 44 and I'm just going to I'm going to read this here. They craft loud, dissonant, complex guitar rock as intellectual as it was forceful. And I think that's a good description. So we're going to play a song off of their record Four Great Points that came out in 1998. This song is called Cut Your
1: Face.
2: dude
3: i love it
0: dude so i just i i love some of the stuff like this because it's like man this has been around since 98 i could have been listening to this since 98 you know and it's like damn <laughs> yeah. and then you hear it and it's like god where have you been all my life now? right <laughs> anyway um yeah i'd never heard of these guys ever um and yeah i mean this whole record is is kind of like that it's not as aggressive um this song I feel like is the most aggressive on on the record. Some of it is instrumental, um, some of it's kind of math rocky, um, but yeah, really good stuff and um, surprising. Like, yeah, how how uh, it's
3: such a crazy time to be alive because you can throw on Spotify radio or Pandora radio or whatever, and then all of a sudden some band comes across and you're like, holy crap, this is so sweet. But when I was coming up pre Napster, pre internet, <laughs> it was like Hey, my, my friend was going to Baylor at the time. He's like, hey, check out Dave Matthews. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, he used to open up for the samples. My favorite band was the samples, you know, and it was like, oh, this is awesome. And it, Dave still covers the samples at shows. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> That's cool. You only knew about a band because someone who was cool or <laughs> check out this cool band. You probably don't know him. You're not cool enough yet. You know,
2: <laughs> not a big the pre
3: hipster, like the real hipster, you know, that knew all these yeah. bands. Yeah that that's when i came up
2: yeah we joke about how like we should get paid by spotify at this point cuz that's who we use we use spotify to find to to play all the music and we always we find all these new bands just because of these algorithms that spotify has where you can Kind of jump down these rabbit holes and listen to like relate bands that are similar to this band. If you like this band, you'll like this band, and it's just uh, ev- never-ending uh, amounts of music you can find nowadays. It's just too easy.
3: It's like what? How, who does the math at Spotify? Like who does these regressions and all this analysis? Because it's like it's got to be related to like time, like year, right? And then there's like the drum beat algorithm. Yeah. The screaming algorithm, and then there's like, oh, it only has a thousand plays algorithm.
2: <laughs> yeah, really?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you might be right because I mean, like, usually when you when you find like obscure bands like this, that don't have much listens under their related artists in Spotify. It's usually more obscure bands that don't have very many listens. Yeah, I feel like we do a lot of obscure on this on this podcast, and uh, I mean. It depends on on the 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 category of of ep- albums that we're covering at the time, but yeah, I feel like we do a lot of obscure stuff, and it either is or it isn't.
2: I, I think June of forty four is obscure, but
3: I never heard of them. I can't believe it.
2: I think Ethan Durrell is obscure too. Yeah, we're hoping that a lot of people are going to hear Ethan Durrell for the first time.
3: Right on. It's it's this is cool, man. I really like what you're doing here. Thank
2: you. Thank you, dude. We are so stoked that you that you joined us, man. It's like one of those like full circle moments for me dude it's really cool
3: that's cool man i'm glad to be here i think you have a really cool show i'd love to come back sometime
2: awesome oh man we'd love to have you on because
0: uh q and i we like to throw around words and stuff and just hope that it, it's the right word to use when describing music and stuff so i feel like we need more more cred you know <laughs> sometimes so like yeah you were able to, to to bring in some good some good tidbits there especially with like the the knowledge of like recording processes and stuff like i just don't know any of that shit
3: well so. you know I, i'm the worst with vernacular when it comes to music because i always just said indie you know indie rock <laughs> pop rock because i'm mean, like who hasn't what are the words to use and then you read pitchfork and you're like oh
0: pitchfork <laughs> those are the words we have a love-hate relationship with pitchfork a pitchfork review always sounds like the person is writing uh i don't know some sort of like a. Creative writing assignment or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah. Hate yeah, yeah. Hate speech. Yeah. It depends on the. Dude, back when we had our music blog in the 2010s, Pitchfork just wrote the most obnoxious, like pretentious reviews of stuff. But I feel like they've kind of evened out a little bit. It's not as, it's not as absurdly like over the top, like critique of an album, you know? Well, probably because.
3: The writers that were there were like this. This place is becoming too mainstream, so they went on to like you know, the Portlandia, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, Dude, you're music right review. About
1: that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they they wrote scripts for Portlandia, <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Well, that's it, huh? Trev, you want to wrap us up? Put a little nice bow on it.
0: So uh, you can find us on nofillerpodcast.com, com, where you can find all of our show note pages for every episode, uh, where we list out all of the tracks that were played on an episode, as well as any uh, sources that we cite. Or in this case, if we have any like extra material that we're sharing with you guys, like some of the stuff that Joel's going to send us for Ethan Durrell, we'll drop it on the website. And you can also find us on the Pantheon podcast network. We can find a ton of other great music podcast content and uh, that's it. Oh, uh, follow us on Twitter at no filler podcast. Uh, if you Interact with us on Twitter, we will probably talk about you on the show. Uh, and that's it. So, yeah,
2: I've got an outro for us. Okay. Friends. He's got
0: an outro. What, what you got? Uh,
2: so, what's his fucking name? Oh, Evan. So, <laughs> Evan, Mr. Evan Lecker uh, is in, well, apparently he's in quite a few other bands, but he was in a band called Holy Fiction.
3: Yeah, that was right after Ethan Durrell.
2: Right after Ethan? Yep. Yeah, so uh, I just started listening to this stuff today, actually. Um, they have at least two albums. I don't know. They might have more than two, but there's two that are popping up on Spotify. And Spotify, if you're listening, we would love to get paid at this point. Dude, uh, we're like, we're, we're <laughs> peanuts
0: to them, dude. you yeah. like, who? I hear a mouse
2: talking. That's what they... Yeah, right. Seriously. <laughs> just Okay, uh, so this is kind of a more folky band, but there are definitely those Ethan Durrell moments in this record. Um so this is an album that came out in 2010 and we're just going to, we're going to fade us out with the first song from this album called hours from it. The song is called iron eyes and Joel, once again, thank you so much for doing this uh, today. We had a blast. We would love to have you back on whenever you are down
3: right on. I totally would love to. This is awesome.
2: Awesome. Awesome. awesome righty, you All right. Y'all take care. We will shout at you next week.